The following audio is from Crossroads Church, a church in Lincoln, Nebraska, centered around building genuine community through authentic faith. More info can be found at lincolncrossroads.com. Man, I am just excited uh, about the, 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 just the stuff that God has been doing. As we've been looking at this idea of, of things being made new, like, yes, we're celebrating baptism, we're celebrating salvation, but man, regardless of where we are in our journey with Christ, there's just, there's just things that he wants to keep turning over. And I just get the sense that God's doing some deep work in our hearts and lives. And, and man, it's just so fun to see. It's so fun to experience. It's so fun to be a part of. Um, I'm gonna tell you what, today, well, last week we talked about it uh, as we looked at the, the, the story of the lost, uh, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And, and there was a common theme throughout all of that. And that is when lost things are found, what does God do? He celebrates. He parties, right? He celebrates. And so today, what, what the whole rest of our time together today is, is all about celebrating. There's, there's, anybody can get down on celebrating in church, right? right? Like we can do that, right? And so, and so this is what, this is what our service is going to look like today. From, from here on out, listen, it's not like just somber church, okay? This is like high energy, celebratory, the heart of God kind of excitement for church. So this is what's going to happen. I'm not just going to preach for the rest of the time. We're going to, we're going to mix things up. It's going to be a little bit different. We're going to be standing. We're going to be sitting. We're going to be mixing it up. So this is what it's going to look like just because I know some of you, especially, you know, some of you are planners. You need to know what's coming, okay? Um, so this is what's coming. I'm, I'm going to share a few thoughts from Scripture. Um, and then we're going to sing another song of worship. So you notice our worship was a little bit shorter this morning. That's because we wanted to create some space later in our time to, to worship. Because listen, if, if we're going to baptize people, and baptism is the symbol of old things being made new, then we better do like God and we're going to celebrate when old things are made new, right? And so we're going to, we're going to do, we're going to worship and not, and not the quiet kind of worship. It's the, the raise your hands and shout and clap and be excited kind of worship because we want to join in the celebration of heaven as, as, as things are being made new, as people are being made new. Can, can we all agree to do that tonight, today? All right. So we're going to have a good time. So I'm going to speak a little bit. We're going to have a little worship. We're going to baptize a little bit. Then I'll talk a little bit more about scripture. Then we're going to worship. Then we're going to baptize a little bit. And it's just going to be a kind of like a variety show today. All right. Um, you know, our, our, our theme verse for, the, for this month, for the last several weeks, has been 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's, it's, uh, it's, been on, it's on our screen here today. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Anybody grateful for the new life in Christ that you found? Um, so let me, let me, let me talk a little bit about baptism. Cause let's be honest. Baptism is one. Um, there, there's a lot of different views and takes on it. Okay. And, and two baptism is like, I'm a realist. Okay. So I, baptism is weird. Okay. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not above that. Like we're going to be inviting people to get in a tub of water on stage in front of people and dunking them underwater. Like that's, that's not missed on me. That's weird, okay? So, so why don't we just sing a few songs and read a few scriptures and go home? What's the point of all of it? So I want to talk a little bit. Uh, we don't do stuff just for, for shock value to be weird. We try to do everything we do as a response to what we see in God's word. And so why baptism? Well, I'm going to give a couple different reasons. One, because of obedience. Because of obedience. 
So Jesus dies on the cross. He rises from the dead. He tells everybody, hey, hang out in Jerusalem and wait for the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. And, and he's going to meet you and you won't miss it. Trust me. And it's going to be wild. So they hang out for a while. There's 120 people in this room. The Holy Spirit comes. Dynamic supernatural things start taking place. And a crowd is drawn. Okay. The same Peter who denied Jesus just a couple months prior now gets up in front of this crowd of people. And they're all like going, what is happening? What, what's with all these miraculous signs? And, and, and Peter lays out the message of who Jesus is. And in that message, he says this statement, repent and be baptized. Baptism is not just an Old Testament kind of thing, but there's, it, 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 there's this command that for those of us who are in Jesus, for those of us who've committed our lives to him, there's a command in scripture that tells us to be baptized and that that, that idea of baptism is, is often closely related to this idea of repentance. And not just like, oh, go get dunked in water every time you make one sin. Oh, I need to say sorry, and I need to go take a shower to wash my sins off. Not exactly that. But baptism is associated with repentance for salvation. That we invite Christ into our lives, and we commit ourselves to him, and we, we turn from our own life. We, 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 it's not just believing the right things, but there's this repentance. There's this saying, God, I'm sorry for living for me. I'm letting go of control. And God, I'm yours. And, and, and Peter says, listen, when you're at that place to, that you're ready to repent of your sins and turn from living life for yourself and ready to turn towards God and receive that gift of salvation, man, there's no reason not to be baptized. This, 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 so he says, it's a command. So there's the first reason. For some of you just black and white folks, if you've not been baptized since you've begun a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says, be baptized. Um, the second reason why we do this, and, and I love this, is to identify with Jesus. Okay, there's a, there's a story in Matthew chapter 3, and we're going we're gonna to look at a few different verses in this story, but there's a story in Matthew chapter 3 where, where Jesus comes to John. See, John the Baptist is out, outside of town, and all these people are coming to him, and he's baptizing them for repentance, turning from their sins. He's baptizing them, and all these people are coming to be baptized and to be just kind of a fresh start uh, a baptism of repentance. And Jesus comes out and he says, hey, I want to be baptized. And so John baptizes Jesus. And uh, here we, 2,000 years later, are called to be followers of Jesus. So there's one aspect of it where you just go like, you know what? If Jesus was baptized, I probably should be too, <laughs> right? Like if I'm supposed to be a follower of Jesus and Jesus modeled this, then not only am I commanded it, but Jesus did it. So this is our response to, to following in the footsteps of Jesus in a literal, literal sense. He was baptized, so I want to be baptized. But here's another aspect of identifying with Jesus is the symbolism. I love the symbolism of baptism. It's so rich, right? So if, if, if salvation is dying to myself and it is laying down my own rights and my own way and my own preferences and my own control and yielding that to God, then, then baptism is a symbol of that. We, we like to say it this way, that baptism is an outward expression of an, of an inward reality, right? For those of us who've, who've confessed our sins and accepted this life with Christ, baptism is a, an outward expression of it. And here's the symbolism. It's kind of twofold. You know, going under the water is identifying with the death of Christ as he was died and put in the ground. But at the same time, when we see this theme throughout Scripture, particularly throughout the New Testament, that die, as Jesus died, we identify with him in his death. 
In other words, we identify with that of dying to ourselves, like we've talked about. Like it, 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 it's laying down. It's not me anymore. It's letting go of my old self. It's identifying with this, with this death. And when we come back up out of the water, it's identifying with the resurrection of Christ. And it's identifying with a new life that he's promised. That's good, isn't it? Right? So, so why do we get, why do we do baptism? We, we, we do baptism one because of obedience. Like Peter says in, in Acts chapter three, we, we do baptism two because of identifying with Jesus. Like it's this, it's this example that we follow in his footsteps. It's the symbolism of, of identifying with him. And three, because of righteousness. Now it's easy just to be like, okay, baptism is all about obedience. And then it's about symbolism. And it's just very cut and dry. Like, okay, this is what he said to do. And this is the cool imagery of it. But there's, there's something. And this is the part that I, I'll be honest, like just all cards on the table. I don't fully understand in fact, there's a lot of spiritual truths that I don't fully understand. There's a lot that, uh, of God that I think someday I'm going to be standing face to face, you know, a hundred years from now, with, I'm going to be looking at God and, and, and he, I'm going to look down and remember my own life and remember th- how things were and be like, oh, okay, I get it now. <laughs> but until then, I just got to trust now, now, here's an interesting thing. So J- John is out in the wilderness and he's baptizing people for repentance. Jesus shows up. John knows that he's the Messiah. He's the one that the scriptures are talking about. And, and, and Jesus is like, hey, John, I want you to baptize me. And what is John, what's going through John's head? Like, no way. No, 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 no. Jesus, why don't you baptize me? And this is what Jesus says in, in Matthew 3, 15. It says, for it is, for in this, Jesus being baptized, for in this, way, it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Now, did Jesus need to be baptized to be purified from sin? No, he was perfect. Isn't righteousness the state of being purified from sin? Isn't righteousness the state of, of being right and that, 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 that moral purity in that righteous state? Like, why in the world did Jesus have to be baptized to fulfill all righteousness? Guys smarter than me, people smarter than me might be able to answer that question, but I'm just going to leave it at this. I don't really know, but I know this. There is, there is something spiritually significant that takes place beyond pure obedience and, and beyond um, just the simple symbolism. There is, there is something along the lines of righteousness that is released in our lives because we follow Christ in this step. And it's, it's rich and it's powerful and, and, and I don't fully understand it all. <laughs> So why do we do baptism is because of obedience, because we want to identify with Jesus and, and, and for the sake of righteousness. Um, so with those things out there, this is why we don't sprinkle infants because it's, it's obedience. It's like baptism. If you didn't do baptism by your choice, some people are like, ah, I was, I was baptized as a baby or as a sprinkled when I was little or whatever. I, I, I did this when I was a little child, but it was really just because my parents told me to. If your baptism wasn't because you had a relationship with Jesus and you were choosing to be baptized and you want to be baptized again to really mark that, hey, we'll do that, <laughs> okay? Um, I don't think it, it, baptism, I, I don't think, it, we see in scripture, it's not like if you're not, then you're going to hell, um, hey, we better baptize you really quick to make sure that you make it. 
but rather it's an act, a choice that we make for those who, who've put our faith and, and, and trust in Jesus because of obedience, because of identifying with him and because of righteousness sake, uh, we're going to follow in the steps. So I am so excited to be able to celebrate um, with some of these people who are going to be getting baptized today. So, so that's why we do it. We, we believe that baptism is, is that. And we also believe submersion. Some people do it different ways. And honestly, we're not tied to it. We've done other things for different bizarre reasons, but we see it in the, this is how we see it in the Bible. And that's just what, how we do it in order to be able to best do this. But here's the, here's the big thing beyond the nuance of how it's all done. Friends, this is a celebration. This is a celebration of new life. This is a celebration of what God has done. So here in just a few moments, we're going to, we're going to baptize the first, uh, couple people. Um, and, uh, and in that, we're also going to share just some testimonies. You're going to hear not only just get to watch and participate in somebody's baptism, but also we're going to hear the stories of what, what God is doing in the hearts and the lives of people right here in our church. Does that sound good? Hey, let me, let me tell you this too, before we move into our next thing, that if you're here today and you've not been baptized, but you've begun a relationship with Jesus, like you've repented of your sins and you've invited Christ to be the Lord of your life, let me just tell you what, we would love to baptize you. We already have a few people who are, who are considering being baptized right now, but weren't quite ready to pull the trigger today. And, and hey, I respect that. Uh, I want to encourage those, though, that if there's any others who say, you know, I've not done this, and this is, uh, this is a step that I need to take, on the welcome card in front of you that hopefully you already filled out a prayer request about, but would you just mark, I'm interested in being baptized. And uh, it's not guaranteeing that, like, if you just want some information, we'll get some information to you. But we want to know who is still interested. And who knows, if there's a bunch of people, we might do this in a few weeks again or as soon as the new year begins. So uh, we want to continue to baptize people because we see it's that sign of the new life that we have in Christ. I mean, God's doing new things, isn't he? Hey, I, I want to... Uh, I, I want to touch on, I say God's doing some new things. I, I, I feel like, you know, we read our, our verse of scripture, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old person is gone. Uh, the, the old is gone. A new life has begun. Like, I, here's the thing. As we begin to explore scripture and we begin to look at the life of, of what it looks like to follow Jesus, uh, let me just tell you what, there are so many layers to this newness that God has to offer us. And so I want to talk about uh, here for a couple minutes, just some, some things that we see in scripture, uh, really from the story of Jesus' baptism, but then also from uh, the greater passage of Second Corinthians chapter five, which we've been looking at uh, here for the last couple months. Now, what's so interesting is that, okay, so let's go back to the Jesus story of Jesus' baptism. In, in Matthew chapter three. So Jesus comes to John and says, will you baptize me? And he says, it's, it's, it's to fulfill all righteousness. And then so Jesus is baptized and, and like just, he comes up out of the water. And I would have loved to be at this moment. This has been so cool, right? He comes up out of the water and it's like heaven opens and, and the Holy Spirit like descends on him and, and the voice of God is heard. And this is what the voice of God says. This is my son whom I love with him, I am well pleased. This is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Here's, here's what I think is super cool about this text, about this particular verse. This is, this is before Jesus did any preaching. This is before Jesus did any miracles. This is before Jesus did any ministry uh, in any official capacity. This is Jesus who was most likely, tradition says, a carpenter. Who, who worked a normal life and was a good guy and loved the people around him. 
This is not the, the traveling evangelist. And what, the, what does the voice of God say? This is my son whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. There is a connection between being well pleased in the first part of this text. It's not that he's well pleased in his behavior. It's not that he's well pleased in the way that he lives his life, I'm sure, though I'm sure he is. But why does the father say that he's well pleased with Jesus? Because <laughs> he's his son. Parents, moms, and dads, you get that, don't you? Do you want your kids to behave? Sure. But there's this, this thing that like, it does, I mean, it, it matters, yes, but it, it doesn't change the way you see your child. You see, Jesus, God the Father says, I'm well pleased. Why? Simply because you are my son whom I loved. You know, there's, there's a lot of us, even in the church world, even those of us, we've confessed our faith, we, we've repented of our sins, we're, we're following Christ, we're trying to live this, this life. But, but so often for many, like being the good Christian and living the good model Christian life means that I need to be a leader uh, among my peers. I need to be a, a Christian leader. If I can learn how to be a Christian leader, there's a lot of emphasis in, in the Christian world today on, 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 on Christian leadership. Right? If I can be a Christian leader, then and my identity can be in like, man, I'm, I'm leading people to Jesus and, and hey, get the, the great commission and it's all that. And, and if I can lead and I can influence, then i am really lived a successful Christian life. You know, some people might say though, hey, it's not about leadership, it's about servanthood. My identity is being a servant. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus got down on his knees and he, and he washed his disciples' feet. Like my, my true value, my true identity is in, is in being a servant for Jesus. My Christian life is all about being a servant. Now, though I think you might be a, a touch closer on that one, I, I, I think there's still an aspect of what we miss. Because being a leader and finding our identity and being a leader for Jesus and finding our identity and being a servant for Jesus still ties our identity to our behavior and our actions. But was it behavior or actions that, that, that God the Father looked down on Jesus and said, with him I am well pleased? No. Why was he well pleased? Because he was his son. And so one of the aspects of, and I think one of the richest aspects, and I'm going to say that probably about all of them, but is. <laughs> One of the so cool things, one of the cool layers of being made new in Christ is that we're not just like theoretically made new, but that we are actually given a new identity. Now, sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we may not even be aware of that. Sometimes we may not know how to live in that. Sometimes we might, we might still have some growing and, 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 and really kind of like fleshing that out in reality. But here is the truth of the matter. That your identity, the very nature, the very essence of who you are as one who's put your faith in Jesus Christ is not in influencing the most people. It's not in serving the most people. Your identity and value comes from the fact that you are a son and a daughter of God. That friends, part of this being made new means that God has given you a new identity. Truth is, for some people, that's easy to embrace. Or, or maybe not easy, but maybe at the very least welcoming, right? Man, I don't like who I am. I don't like the life I've built. I don't like where I ended up. God, you give me a new identity. I gotta, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta walk in that. For others, it's hard. 
because you're like, I do like who I am. I do value the things that I've built. I do like the life that I've created for myself. And that's why Jesus says it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, because we've got to let go of who we once were to take hold of the identity that God has spoken over you. And let me tell you what, this new identity is better than anything you could build for yourself. And so we've, we've got this new identity. And so, so one of the issues that, that we often face when we come into faith or we, when we come to Jesus is this identity thing, this who am I question. But then the, another thing that you've probably heard this as well, maybe you've, you've wrestled through this as well, is am I good enough? Right? Am I good enough? I gotta, I gotta clean up. You, you've probably heard this. I've got, I've gotta get some things straight before I come to God. I gotta clean up my life before I come to God. Or even somebody who's accepted Christ, and and you're all constantly like, I'm just this gross sinner, and I'm just a miserable, worthless person, and I just, I'm never good enough. 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 On one hand, <laughs> you're totally right, um, because we've all acknowledged this. We've all got our stuff, don't we? Whether we want to acknowledge it, there's stuff there. And, and this is where we get into that, that, that thing where at salvation, God makes, there, there's this positional righteousness, sanctification, this righteousness that God says, man, right here and right now, you are mine and your righteousness, like you are perfectly sanctified. And there's, a, there's also a, a wholeness. Someday we're going to be in heaven and all things are going to be fixed up, right? I'm going to be made complete. But we've got this time in between then and now where we're made right, but we still don't do right all the time, right? Here's something that's so, so cool. So we've been reading 2 Corinthians 5.17 every week for the last several weeks that, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. You know how that paragraph ends? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it reads this. And this, this verse of scripture blows my mind. It's underlined in my Bible. To all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, all right? So we know who we're talking about, those who have accepted Christ. He gave the right to become children of God. I read the wrong text, but that's still a good verse. Next verse, <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him, I forgot to do that the last time, all right? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. First of all, I don't exactly, here's another one of those mystery things. I don't full, I can try to explain it the best I can. I don't fully get that. God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, who lived perfect life, never sinned, never, not even evil thoughts, impure thought. God made him who had no sin to be sin for me. That's the perfection of God. You, he went to the cross so that I wouldn't have to. Paul says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Like you and I, we deserve death and not just physical death, but separation from God. Like our, our righteousness, our good deeds is never going to wipe the slate clean. And yet Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Makes no sense to me why he would do it or exactly the details of how it works, but I know it to be true. That when we come to Christ, humbly yielding our lives to him, 
Part of the salvation work that takes place is we're given a new identity. We're called sons and daughters in his family, but we don't just get this new identity with all this baggage. He says, from this point on, when I look at you, the sins that you've committed have already actually been paid for, and all I see is the righteousness of a perfect Christ when I look at you. I don't deserve that. And so there's so many Christians even that I, that, I, that, I, that I see and I talk to, like wrestling, I'm just not good enough. I'm just not good enough. I'm, not just, I'm just not good enough. Hey, you got to let go of that. You're never going to be good enough. How much prayer a day do you need to pray before you're good enough? How much of the word do you need to read before you're good enough? How much, how much, how much purity do you need? Before you, how much stop sinning do you need to do before you're, you're never going to reach there? So it's time to step back and relax and lean into the love of God who says, you are mine and you are righteous because I'm righteous and I purchased it for you. That is what salvation is. And that's what being made new means. It doesn't just mean this theoretical title that we get, but we're given a new identity and we are given a new righteousness, the righteousness of God. There's no condemnation, Romans 8.1. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Conviction, just simply the Holy Spirit saying, hey, this isn't the way of Jesus. Who leads you forward, condemnation beats you down. God doesn't condemn you. God will never beat you down because you are the righteousness of Christ. That's good, isn't it? You know, we, we, we sometimes we, we gather together in church and we do our church thing and we forget that each and every one of us in here, each and every person uh, sitting in this room today represents a life that I believe has been touched by God. And uh, man, we are, we are in debt to the life um, that he, to God for the life that he's given us. And I mean, I am just, it is so fun to, to hear those stories. You know, um, for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who've given our lives to him, like we've talked about, we've experienced the newness of life and, and, and this new identity and this new righteousness. Um, you know, there's, a, there's another new that we find uh, in scripture and that we find here, you know, going back to the story of Jesus. You know what happened after that? I told you like when, when he got baptized, there, there was no ministry. There was, there was no miracles. There was no big public speaking. There were no crowds. But then after he was baptized, he went to the wilderness. He had a, a time of a fasting and prayer immediately after that. And you know what happened when he came back? His ministry began. You see, I believe that, that for every single one of us, this is not just true of Jesus, that ever, for every single one of us, that when we experience the newness of life, when, you, when, when we receive that gift of salvation, when, when, when we have that new identity and we, we realize that new righteousness, I also believe that we've been given a new purpose that God has a calling, a specific calling on every single one of us. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians um, that, that, that you and I, in Ephesians chapter two, that you and I have, have been ordained before time, that God knew you before you were gonna be born and he had certain things that he specifically wanted you to do. Like that's pretty humbling, isn't it? You know, um, in, in, so in Matthew chapter four, verses 17, right after it comes out of the, out of the, Jesus comes out of the wilderness. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Second Corinthians chapter five. I want to go back to there again. We've been looking at verse 17. 
Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. We looked at verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. But I want, now I want to read the verses in between. I want to connect the dots here. You see, because God has given us a, a new identity and God has given us this new righteousness. But listen, God has also given us a new purpose. Verse 18 and 19 says this. All this, and he's talking about the new life in Christ. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me pause right there. Reconciliation, essentially salvation, right? There's this gap between us and God, this gap that was created by sin, this gap in this relationship. And I love how Paul uses this term reconciliation to describe salvation. Being saved, having a relationship with God, it's, it's God made us for a relationship, but our sin, our rebellion, our pushback, our resistance to him created this gap in this relationship. And he says, you've been reconciled to God. You've been made new. You have this relationship now. And then in the same sentence, in the same breath, he says, he reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. Who's us? Is us the pastors, the elders, the teachers? No, it's those who've been made new. So I know this is an easy one to, to forget, but God has given you a ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? God has given you, commissioned you with the purpose of bringing other people into right relationship with God. Have you ever thought about that? Listen, he continues. That's not enough. He says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So there we see it again, a ministry of reconciliation, a message of reconciliation. And then verse 20, this one's a good one. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. You know, there's a lot of times where we talk about, man, you need to be, you need to share your faith. You need to be, you've got this ministry of reconciliation, that kind of thing. And instantly we think, I don't want to be a salesman for faith. Anybody have that thought? I have, right? I don't want to be a faith salesman. Like that's not, like I'm not into that. Good news, neither is Jesus, okay? But I do want to be this. If I'm not going to be a salesman, I do want to be an ambassador. And like it or not, Paul says we are one. The question is whether or not we are representing the king that we're supposed to represent. Are we representing him well? See, we have been given a new identity. We have been given a new righteousness. But friends, you and I, those who have put our faith in Christ, we've been given a new purpose. We just sang a song. We just declared this truth that, that this is my testimony from death to life. Friends, I believe if you are in Christ, you have a death to life testimony. Do you know what it is? Can you verbalize, could you write down on paper, could you declare what your death to life testimony is? How has God made you new? All right, we, we've been talking about this for the last several weeks about, man, God has, God has brought us to these moments and he, he's led us into this, this, these processes where he's changing us and, 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 and we're being made new. So friends, what is your made new moment? What is the made new process that God has you on today? Can you verbalize it? Because listen, 
So many of us as Christians, we, we, we live our lives. We just do the next thing and the next thing. We go to church and they tell me to pray and they tell me to read my Bible. So I pray and I read my Bible and I go to church and I try to be a nice guy to other people. But listen, salvation isn't about believing the right things and living a moral life. Did you know that? You see, because so much of church life and so much of, of pop church culture is really just doing those two things. As long as I, as I, I live right and I believe right, then, then I'm saved. Friends, that's not salvation. That's living right and believing right. James says that the devil believes that Jesus is the son of God. But has your life been changed? What has God done in your life? You see, if, if you're just a church attender, and that's great. But if you're just a church attender, you do the Christian things, and then you feel like this, the sales pitch to go be a salesman for the faith, that's not going to work right well, very well. But I'll tell you what, if you are a person who's been transformed, you're going to see transformation in the lives of your friends. Because we're ambassadors for Christ. And as ambassadors of Christ, he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. Like he's given it to us. It's already there. You are already ambassador. This isn't like a go be an ambassador. This is like it or not, you're already an ambassador. There's good ambassadors and bad ambassadors. A good ambassador is going to well represent their king. So if I believe the most powerful witness for Christ is simply acknowledging and sharing what God has done for you. I'm not talking the Romans road. I'm not talking memorizing all the theology. I'm I'm just saying like, did God make you new? Yes or no? Have you ever shared that with anybody before? People care about you. Honestly, let's just be an unbelieving world cares about you. They don't really care about your God, but they care about you. So talk about you. And guess what? If you talk about you and your life has been transformed, you can't help but talk about your God. So, so, so here's the thing. We've been given a new identity. We've been given a new righteousness. We have been given a new purpose. We have a testimony. You have a testimony, a testimony from death to life, a testimony of old things being made new. And some of us, anybody still in the middle of a testimony? <laughs> There's still things that are still, God is still working. I'll raise my hand. There's still some things that God is still working in me. But friends, when God makes us new, let's tell somebody about it. Because God doesn't want the newness to stay with you. He loves you, yes, but he died for the world. So let's share what he's done in us. Let's go public with the new that God has done in us. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Crossroads Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Crossroads, please visit lincolncrossroads.com.